0: On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman presented by Riverwind Casino, we give you what we're watching for for OU Tulsa, and we preview the matchup with Jeremy Poplin. We preview the best games of week three in college football, and we give you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those. and You'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hostie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Wednesday, September 13th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind has consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack. Blackjack match roulette and Teddy's favorite, craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of September, all you got to do is visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this Wednesday morning, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Ted, I love a road game that's just a drive down the highway.
1: Isn't it awesome? It's great. It's uh I mean it's it, it's a road-ish game. I mean, it's almost a it's almost like how Arkansas has the home field down in Fort Smith also, you know, that they play it every now and then. It feels kind of like that.
0: It does. It does. I, I I'm definitely interested to see what the uh what the crowd looks like from a uh, from a color perspective, right? I, I would anticipate quite a bit of crimson.
1: Yeah, I think so. It's always been like that, hasn't it? I yeah. mean, at least 80%. But you know, if you're if you're if you're a Tulsa fan and there's a game that you're going to this year, it's probably this one.
0: There's no doubt about it. All right. We got a lot to get to. So let's start here. Ted, you had Venables coaches show on Monday night. Anything that he said that really stood out to you?
1: Uh, you know, he was right out of the gate. He was, you know, and you talked about it on the on the Sunday pod with the offensive line. Uh, he was, for the most part, um, pretty complimentary of the football team, except for the offensive line. And, you know, he did say that he felt like, and I don't know if this is, you typically don't just get coach speak from Venable's, Um, but he said that those guys were pissed off about it. They took it to heart and he, he kind of likes the way that he feels like they've responded so far to, to not having a a very good performance. So that is really what stood out to me.
0: Okay. Well, I try to tell people on here, I, I just call it how I see it. (laughs) Group as a whole did not play well together. Now we'll see how they respond against Tulsa all right let's get to what we're watching for in this matchup Ted looking at OU's defense against Tulsa's offense what do you have your eye on
1: well you know I I actually like Tulsa's offense quite a bit um it's a throwback Kevin Wilson offense you know it's it's not overly complicated um I can't wait to get I want to get your opinion on the offensive line but just generally speaking. Just some of the stuff you're going to see in the run game, inside zone, split zone, a little bit of zone read, and that'll probably depend on who's playing quarterback. Um, they'll do some of that. Their, their biggest bread and butter, those the the counter play. Um, you know, they'll pull the guard and the tight end who's off the ball in a little, you know, uh, slot or wing position. Also and,
0: pull the center in the tight end. How yeah, about that? He's
1: uncovered. They'll pull. They'll pull the center, and I'm sure that's a call there with the front that they give, right?
0: Yeah. Well, the way is if you've got a wide three on the back side, right? Instead of the center going all the way back and blocking back on the wide three, you just pull him and have him be the first puller on counter. He's the kickout guy in man on the line of scrimmage. Pretty Get simple. A little
1: quicker. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I think their running game. They do a good job with it. You know, against Washington. You know, they had some opportunities there. They were able to to chew up some yards. Now, they weren't breaking long runs or anything, but, like, in the box, they were able to create some levels, uh, you know, chew up some yards in the zone game. There was a couple times in the in the counter game where they, where they you know, kind of got to the perimeter, you know, whenever you had the, the edge guy wrong arm in it, and they would find a little bit of crease there sometimes. You know, if, if Presley was in, he'd just hit the gas and try and outrun the contain player and get around to the outside. So you've got to watch that with him. But, you know, I like it. Now, the problem for Tulsa is that it's it's so, like, vanilla and straightforward. And I think Oklahoma's going to be, like, just chomping at the bit against it. But, I mean, I think it's going to be uh, fun to watch it. Um, in the passing game, you don't get a whole lot. You get a bunch of, you know, pretty standard concepts, three-by-one. Um, they will run some boot out of three-by-one with the tight end and that that little offset position off of the the split zone look or the inside zone look, and you'll get the typical routes off of that. You'll get the comeback on the outside. They'll run like the over route behind it from the slot receiver, and then you'll get the drag on the backside uh, whenever they're running the boot out of a spread formation. Um, you'll get some some double post out of them, which is which is pretty typical out of three by one. And they like to run the the China concept and they'll get to it out of a bunch of different looks. They'll do it out of two by two where the outside guy runs the little stop route and the inside guy runs the seven over the top of it. Whenever you get cover two, try and put those guys in some conflict. And you'll also get it out of the offset back on the backside of three by one. Offset back will swing. And he'll be the flat guy, and then you know, the, the number one receiver will release inside and then run the seven again, uh, trying to create that conflict again out there on the outside. Um you'll get the old mesh route 98 with the unders and the dig in behind, which almost everyone in college football runs. You know, that's a that's an old Mike Leach special. Uh Lincoln runs the the heck out of it. Um, you know, just Everyone, except for us. We don't run it anymore. Um, which is which is kind of odd, but you'll get that. Um, you'll get the uh and you'll get it out of two by two and you'll get it out of three by one as well. And splits will pretty much tell you what's gonna happen on that with the wide receivers. Um you'll get the uh the indie, I call it indie, the the double square end where the guys go five, seven yards, and then it's like a hard square in. And you'll get it on the on the back side of that. On the other side, you'll just get like a hard square out and then a takeoff on the outside guy. Um, you'll add a two-by-two. Two, you'll still get the 98. They'll run some sprint pass. Uh, you know, with that tight end, he'll be in that little uh, – it's a slot. It's not a wing, but most people call it a wing. He's outside the tackle and off the off the ball like a yard. And you can tell by his split if they're running counter or if he's protecting or if he's running zone, like if he's off the ball more, he's coming across the formation. If he's up tight, uh, you know, he's blocking right there. Uh, They'll max protect with him in that spot, but they'll also, you know, he'll block the edge and they'll run sprint to him, but they'll also run sprint away. So you get some of the sprint pass with the common, common routes on that kind of the levels you'll get the underneath, and then the guy in behind, and sometimes it's a comeback with the guy in behind on the sprint pass. Uh, you'll get empty. They'll run, you know, some basic stuff out of empty. You'll get, you know, like the the tunnel screen to the two-receiver side, and then on the three-receiver side, they'll run the bubble to try and get some some guys from the middle of the formation to expand out. A um, couple, of, couple of snaps of Max Pro against Washington, kept the tight end and then offset in. And you're getting the three wide receiver routes out there. Did um, you
0: uh, on the on some of the max pro snaps? Did you see what the edge guy from Washington did to the tight end?
1: Just ran right through him. <laughs> you know?
0: Don't do it, people. Don't have tight ends pass block edge players one on one.
1: Don't do it. Well, they had oh, one of them that had the the tight end and the back blocking him, and neither one of them got him. It was uh, and he looked like practice dummies. But, you know, you'll get out of whenever they go max pro, they'll run like, you know, because it's only three guys getting out, they'll run the double uh, double post to try and buy the middle safety and then like the, the takeoff, like the inside angle takeoff to be able to throw it deep in the middle of the field and try and let him run under it. Um, you'll run like in this slot, they'll just have, I call it get open. Where he's just up the field 10, 12, 14 yards and then working away from leverage and it's just trying to trying to throw and catch there. Um, that's pretty much what you're gonna get. Um as far as personnel, uh curious to see what we get at quarterback. If we get the Braxton kid, you know, he's more athletic. You'll probably see some some more move the pocket stuff, a little bit of zone read, quarterback run stuff. Um if you get the uh the Fuller kid who I thought was, was actually okay um, against Washington. Williams was the quarterback that played and they had stuff in the passing game. He just couldn't find it. You know, I, when they ran the mesh 98, it was open pretty much every time he just couldn't, he, he never ID'd it. Couldn't, I don't know if he was just worried about the rush and, and the vision was bad, but uh, Fuller's a little bit better throwing the ball for them. If you see him number 10, I think the backs are, I think they're adequate, but they're undersized. So they're smaller guys. And whenever you, whenever you combine smaller guys with what their run game is, it's not a great mix. I think you, you'd prefer, especially you're going to run counter, you know, that gap scheme stuff. You'd like to have a bigger running back to try and run through some of that stuff and, and some of the zone stuff as well. But what they've got is what they got, uh, Braylon Presley, five, he'll be in there, and they'll move him around the formation. He'll play in the slot. He'll play out of the backfield. Um, Watkins, you know, 23 is probably the bigger back that they have. He's just like a 205-pounder, so still small. Um, Tight ends, you're not going to get much. They're just mainly blockers. 47 is typically the guy they have in that's going to move across the formation. Um, Wide receiver, haven't seen anyone really that worries you right now leads me to believe that uh Venables is probably going to be ultra aggressive and let his defensive backs cover some and really dial up the pressure on the interior but um offensive line I'd like to get your thoughts i think they're obviously i mean for for the caliber of player that they have i in this isn't a this isn't a, a dig at them i think it's actually a compliment because it's way more difficult than than maybe it should be but they block the right guys i feel like they're on the right guys every time and you don't have like free runners into the backfield you know with a bunch of tackles for loss and stuff like that now they're going to get beat and they got beat quite a bit by by Washington guys but i mean i i think it's going to be difficult now Depending on what Venables throws at him, you may have guys like messing up left and right. But I feel like they do a pretty good job of getting on the right guys. They do some pretty good stuff on the inside run, but I mean that's that's pretty much what I saw at Tulsa's offense.
0: Yeah, O line wise, I out of all the guys, 57 to the left tackle, I think is the best player, right? Moves the best, has good athleticism, not a ton of size, right? I think Venables is going to attack the right side of their line. Right. If he's going to dial it up, I think right guard, right tackle, especially right tackle, right? Daryl Simpson, a name that a lot of OU fans know. I think he he's just he just does not change direction well. If you're gonna attack, if you're gonna attack a portion of that offensive line with blitz concepts or twists, that's where I'd do it. Just because I do not think. That right side redirects particularly well. Like make those guys, make those guys move, pass off twists, adjust the blitzes. If you're going to attack them, I think that's where you do it.
1: Yeah. No, I, I think you're you're probably right. I'm curious to see how Venables plays it though. Um, right. I, you know, defensively, we should be able to control this game playing just base stuff but i don't know if if he wants to throw some things out there to to have some some big 12 teams chasing ghosts a little bit or if you if he still feels like there's there's some exotic stuff that they need to work on to get it really tuned up i like personally i think they need work in their like their three-man rush stuff up front i thought the three-man rush stuff was good but when you're dropping eight guys in zone, we've got to be better. I mean, there's, it is, there is no way you can justify a guy being wide ass open whenever you drop eight players in zone coverage. Now, if they're going to throw something underneath on a get open, like timing stuff, you may hit that. But my God, we've got to be able to relate to guys way better in the three man rush stuff. Learn more at marines.com.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And we'll see. We'll see what it looks like, right? Probably more Peyton Bowen in this game. Heard Venables at the presser talk about Harrington still being banged up, right? We pointed out on the broadcast that guy was, he was not moving well, especially in the second quarter. Wasn't moving great in the second half. I am still, I'm shocked. SMU's coaching staff, how you don't see that from the box and attack that guy, it's coaching malpractice. I don't. It's insane. It's insanity, especially in the second quarter. I'll never understand it.
1: But I was worried he was going to get hurt. Like, I mean, I know he was hurt, but he was so hobbled that he was he was so tentative around the pile and stuff, like trying to avoid. Uh, I was like, either either flip it on, get past it, or get out. You know, they,
0: they didn't even throw a bubble at him, like mm-hmm. to say, "Hey, go get off a block and make a tackle." Like, didn't test it. It's insane. It's insane. But that's that's last week so I am so you've got Harrington banged up McCullough still banged up so it it seems like more Peyton Bowen right at that cheetah spot that's
1: I hope McCullough can go uh Venable said he's hopeful now I don't know he why why push
0: out. it for Tulsa though is my question
1: yeah. you know he he was dressed out not taped or anything it wasn't going through anything but he was out there in pads and he was walking around okay. Um, I don't know. I, I, I would say the only reason is he needs work and right. if he's able to go and you can get him a game, a full game of playing cheetah, that would go a long ways for him. But you know, if he's not up Peyton Bowen and Reggie Pearson.
0: Yeah. We'll see. Right. I'm the ultimate. Hey, if you're healthy enough to play, you play guy. Mm-hmm. So we'll see, but I think they'll be smart with it. Right. Yeah. Well, we'll, but you got anything else? OU's defense, Tulsa's offense?
1: I don't think so. I think that, for me, that pretty much covers it. Again, I, very straightforward offense from Kevin Wilson. I mean, they don't do a whole lot of things, which leads me to believe that Oklahoma defensively should have a really good game.
0: I'm with you. All right, let's talk about what we're watching for, for OU's offense and Tulsa's defense. So first thing, uh, it it's not a typical road game, but it's still a road game. Right. So just handling the mechanics of the operation on the road. Right. Uh, Handing all of that. Right. And that, that starts with, and I know they don't have to get on a flight for this game, but getting on the bus, making the trip, like everything that goes with that, you got to handle all of that, but it should to see what the crowd noise is like. Right. Maybe Tulsa fans show out in a big way. Mm -hmm. And you are dealing with a little crowd noise. And you have to handle that as an offensive line as an entire offense. We'll see. This is kind of a unique road experience that OU's going on. But looking at the defense, 425 defense from, from Tulsa, they have a little bit out of, you know, kind of a three man front look, an odd front look, which leads me to my first thing to watch. Find number zero. Ben Kapinski you're going to mostly find him at an edge spot, right? I think he's their best player on defense, but they do float him around sometimes in a three-man front. Ted, you and I would call this a spinner look, right? And it reminds me, do you remember how Jim Knowles used Brock Martin that year? They were really good on defense at Oklahoma State. Yep. Was that two years ago? Do you remember how they'd float him in the middle of the defense? Yep. It's exactly it's exactly what they're doing with Kopinski so whether you are you know an, an offensive guard an offensive tackle a running back like you got to be able to find zero he's a downline and he needs to be treated accordingly in every run concept you have and in every pass protection concept you have like that guy is a down guy you don't need to be leaving the running back one on one with zero if they do that that's bad scheme that's bad ball yeah so that's the first thing is find zero. And then he's, you know, coming off the edge, got good hands, good explosiveness, you No know, plays with violent. So uh, Ostrowski 48, you better put your hard hat on. That dude is going to hit, yeah. but you straight in the face
1: <laughs> and he looks strong as hell. He is man. It's so funny. He's stiff a little bit, but my goodness is he strong. He looks
0: like he can deadlift a
1: house. When you're watching I'm, I'm him on sure tape. He can. Yeah. Sure he can. He's got the, he, he's definitely got the DNA. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. His dad, right. Dad's a Tulsa hall of famer, right. Uh, mm-hmm. NFL guy, um, you know, bad dude. It, it runs in the veins. Now he's not quite the athlete. His dad was, but both of those guys on the edge, like they use their hands. Well, they're really physical. And so whether you're running it or throwing it, like you, you better be ready to bring it with 48 and zero, right? It's a, it's going to be a weird matchup for the tackles, right? Rouse and Guyton, you know, looked apart these big guys. And then you've got these two guys that are just like, Hey, you want to get in a fight? <laughs> like, you telling
1: me that, that Blake Smith needs to wear that little extra helmet thing. The, uh, the concussion sleeve, the on guardian cap. Yeah. It would be wise
0: when he's lined up over 48.
1: Dude, he's going to be running that split zone, buddy. Good luck.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So those edge guys and yeah, they can, you know, they can play a little bit. I have not been overly impressed with anyone on the interior. I think the guy that flashes the most to me is 99, but there's a couple of snaps where you're just like, damn, he is pulling that guy straight back into the quarterback. So if there's one guy to watch in the interior, I think it's 99 from a, from a coverage standpoint. Teddy, how, how do you like yourself some deep cover three, my friend?
1: Hey, my opinion is if you are a good defense, you can play cover three to anything.
0: Okay. Well, that's what they do. Now, to their credit, they try to disguise by showing too high and they rotate the three. Now, the thing, and this is something you've talked about quite a bit with OU's defense, their underneath zone coverage stinks. There is an incredible amount of space between their deep third players and their backers and the hook players like an insane amount of space dude their deep third players you know the old adage like hey stay deeper than the deepest yeah they take that very very seriously dude <laughs> I I mean, insanely, seriously, there is, there should be, and I know what I'm about to say. Oh, you fans. I know that how this is going to sound. There should be a ton of money made in the intermediate passing game. And in the middle of the field, the voids are enormous, enormous, especially with some of the RPO stuff that Levy likes to do. Like if those backers, if there's even more space, if they, suck up even more on some of those run fakes, there's going to be so much space. Now that's if they do what they've been doing, right? I figured if they did it against Washington, they're going to do it against Oklahoma, but we'll see. I I will be shocked. And I know you want to establish the run after what happened last week. And you want to get the offensive line, some confidence heading into heading into the Cincinnati game, which by the way, I've started watching them. Whoa.
1: Whoa. Yeah, they're going to be good. Whoa. That's going to be a game. Did not now. see
0: that coming. Whoa. We'll get to that next week, but whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and And I think I, I'd be shocked if they don't have a huge day throwing the football with just how much space there is between those deep third players and and their underneath zone coverage. Dude, It's like it's like borderline unbelievable how much space there is.
1: Well – uh, if if you can't take advantage, they're going to play it a lot. You got to be able to chew it up. Um, you got to be able to run against it, too, because I, you can drop back pass against cover three and have a lot of success um, if they're underneath guys aren't great. But if you can run the ball against it too, the play action stuff just totally kills cover three.
0: Yeah. And one thing like a high level thing I for Dylan Gabriel, I'm interested in seeing is. You no. Know, How can he manipulate that middle safety with his eyes? Yeah. Right. That that's high level quarterback play. And that's kind of what I expect from him. Can he move that middle safety with his eyes and then hit some deep shots, right? Kind of in that backside seam. Right. That's that's what I expect from him. Right. That's the level of play I expect from him. We'll see if he gets those opportunities, but that's just something to keep an eye on. We could go through your favorite cover three beaters, but we don't have enough time
1: oh uh there's there's all kinds of them man uh four verticals flat and slant uh all kinds of creative wheel routes double moves like we haven't seen any double moves on the outside like a slant and go or you know like a like you're working a come back and go we should have all kinds of stuff
0: yeah now one thing i'm saying like hey you you should be able to really, and I'm talking throws like 15, 20 yards down the field. There's so much space. There's so much space, but also their defensive backs on tape, they do not tackle well, man, especially number 11. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of missed tackles. And so we, we didn't see
1: a Probably ton of, has a of lot th- to do with all of the space underneath. I mean, that's difficult. It, it makes all those cleanup tackles really hard. Yeah.
0: But, I I do think I would expect some bubbles, some of the quick throws on the outside, right? Make those defensive backs come up and make tackles in space on our wide receivers, right? also kind of see if they can get off some blocks out there on the edge, right? Kind of going back to what we saw in the Arkansas State game, just, hey, what are you made of here on the outside? I think we'll see. I'd be surprised if we didn't see quite a bit of that. And then one thing, and you, you, this is a game like you mentioned on defense. You, you want to put some stuff on tape, right? That makes Cincinnati and everyone from that point on start thinking a little bit. Washington scored on multiple reverses in that game. Tulsa, what's the best way to put it? Tulsa's defense doesn't have a ton of recovery speed. Yeah. So and now to those to their credit, they play hard, man. They fly around. Right. They play with really good effort, but there was a couple times where Washington just caught them really over-pursuing, and one of the reverses, the guy literally walks in, and I do mean walks into the end zone at the very end. <laughs> so I, I'm interested to see if we get some misdirection stuff like that from Oklahoma, um, you know, reverses, maybe a double reverse, something like that, to uh, to see if they can, they can uh, get Tulsa over pursuing a little bit, but also just put it on tape. Moving well, forward,
1: I if I'm an offensive coordinator and I see a team have success on reverses, first series, maybe the first play of the game. You know, whenever they're all amped up to pursue, and you know they worked on reverse stuff all week, coached it, got yelled at about it. So you show them a reverse right out of the gate, and it's a pass, reverse pass.
0: Ooh, I like that. Okay. Yeah. Anything you got anything? Oh, use offense, Tulsa's defense.
1: I, you know, again, this is going to be about uh, Oklahoma. I'm, we should be able to have success, you know, across the board. I'm looking for the offensive line to bounce back and I'm curious to see what personnel we see. What I, see I'm, running back?
0: yeah, I'm curious to see what left guard looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Like, destroy ever get the start. Right. I, I think that's that's a big storyline going in. But as hard as I was on those guys last week, which they deserved, by the way, I I expect them to bounce back in a big way. And they need they need confidence going into Cincinnati, man. I'm telling you. Dante Corleone and Juwan Briggs for the Bearcats. Other than Sweat and Murphy for Texas, it's the best duo of interior defensive linemen they're going to play all season long. Yeah. And Corleone is like legit, legit. Like, hey, we got to maybe have a column of what we're going to run in the run game when he's on the field versus when he's off the field. Like that legit. Yeah. So I would really like to see this offensive line play at a high level, Right, bounce back and get some positive momentum heading into next week where they're going on the road into an extremely hostile environment. Right. And they're gonna have to play against a couple NFL players. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So that's what need need to bounce back, need to play at a high level. I love hearing how pissed off they are about the way that they played. They should be. Tulsa, Tulsa's defensive front should should not be able to dictate anything in this game. Yeah. So, yeah. my hope is when we recap this thing on Sunday, I'm singing their praises saying, "Hey, they did exactly what they should do against that against that defense."
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, I hope that's the case and I'm glad they got a couple of edge guys that are that are, you know, a, a decent test, you know, and SMU was too. They had a they had a pretty good defensive line. So, Um, Yeah, Cincinnati's is that going to be other than Texas the most difficult game we play this year?
0: I'll tell you right now. I watched, I've watched every snap they played. Right, I, I, I'm no longer a player. I can look ahead to the next (laughs) opponent. Yeah, Cincinnati can beat OU. Yeah, if they don't show up and play well, especially with how Nippert's going to be rocking for that game. Oh yeah. Size across the board, they can, they can beat you. Like the you, you're thinking, like height, weight, size. Oh, they're coming from the group of five. They're, you know, we're gonna have a big physical advantage. No, they they got size, speed. They got, they got it everywhere.
1: Build threat quarterback. Yeah. Well, we better we better get uh we better get rolling in this game. Uh,
0: Their uh, outside linebacker body, right? They play they play a four man front, but it's an odd structure. Their outside linebacker body, two fifty. Corleone three twenty.
1: Briggs three hundred. They've had great outside edge guys at Cincinnati over the past like five or six years. It's great.
0: Wait till you see Pitts tied in try to pass pro this guy.
2: <laughs> You're gonna love
0: it. <laughs> all right well that's enough on Cincinnati we're focused on Tulsa let's get to call your shot we ask you guys the number one thing you'll be watching for in OU Tulsa this first one comes from Drew Gastineau he says offensive line play our offense goes as they go interior has got to pick it up Drew I think I think everyone under everyone that listens to this podcast understands that I uh I agree with you sir
1: yeah we need it I mean that it, it's frustrating, and I again I know SMU was was solid there on the defensive line, but uh, coming into this thing, we were hoping that the offensive line was going to be one of the stronger units on the entire team, and I still think they can be, but we got to get rolling quick.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm interested to see how Beatenbo rotates those guys in the interior, right? The What's tackles. I. I still think you start Savion, right? Because if you don't, you start worrying about, okay, like how is he going to handle it? And not to say that he doesn't have good mental toughness or anything like that, but he, he's undoubtedly your more talented guy at left guard.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And this is a game where he can build confidence. So it it's a delicate balance, man. Now beating sure, bro doesn't care much about Cincinnati, your feelings.
1: Like, I mean, You're going to need him. That's the
0: thing is, I'm thinking about Cincinnati. I'm thinking about Texas. I'll tell you right now, Troy Everett, if he's got to block Corleone, he's getting tossed around, man, straight up. It is what it is, man. It is what it is. So you need Savion to build some confidence in this game, right? Get back on track and be ready to go for next week. Now, if he gets out there and doesn't play well again, you got to do what you got to do, right? I mean, but and that's that's assuming he's having a good week of practice. He's doing everything that he needs to do to earn Bill's trust leading into this game. Does that make sense?
1: Yep, 100%.
0: But, yeah. All right, this other one comes from Coffee Jedi. (laughs) What a name. He's looking for mistake-free football. Really want a clean game after last week. That's number one. Also want to see any package with Jackson Arnold that doesn't involve a QB sneak.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. Well, I mean, that goes back to the personnel thing. Um, What are we going to see from the younger guys getting in, the wideouts, the running backs, and also Jackson Arnold? You know, whether it's – look, I'd like to see us get to a point in this game where he gets a lot of run in the second half but you know also if they're bringing him in off the bench which you know I don't know I don't know necessarily if if it's worth it if you're just going to run quarterback power I mean which i it's got to be a like a decoy thing it has to be it has to be
0: it i don't <laughs> i'm all for getting him snaps keeping him engaged right keeping him happy whatever however you want to phrase it even though he doesn't seem like that type of guy to me right i would prefer you just let the guy play let him play quarterback maximize his strengths i i've said it i said it on the last episode i'll say it again qb power that ain't it for him that's not his strength no he's not a small guy by any means but he's not a big bruising guy like he he's a five-star dual threat quarterback not a in between the tackles running back yeah you know if you're gonna put him on the field let him play agree let him rip let it rip baby come on yep but hey we'll see how it goes right i love venables was like why would redshirt what are you guys talking about he's like no way <laughs> it's, it's a our backup, backup quarterback, quarterback. <laughs>
1: yeah. okay birthday shout outs Welcome to the world, Aspen Jordan Loftus. Happy first birthday to Ophelia Gordon. Happy sixth birthday to Colt Whitson. Happy 90th birthday to Pat Hargis.
0: Look at you go, Pat. Nice. And happy birthday to Bobby Dooley. All right, let's talk to Jeremy Poplin, learn a little more about the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. But first... Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide $0.10 per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop $0.10 per gallon. Across the country, the Love's Connect app unlocks exclusive deals can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Love's Connect app to save $0.10 per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Love's Travel Stops. Loves all sides you've covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with their expanded mobile to go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself
1: some of that delicious Java. It's hunting time in Oklahoma. And if you're looking to buy some hunting property, the land doctors can help you find the ideal ranch. They build custom hunting lodges and lakes and can turn Oklahoma's raw land into your personal playground. If you'd like to sell some land or you simply want to add to your portfolio, then call Colton Cole at 405-615-7645 or visit LandDoctors.com.
0: And celebrate with a Schooner All-American Ale, the official craft beer of OU Athletics from Coop Aleworks, named after the iconic Sooner Schooner that races across Owen Field after an OU score. You can join in on the celebration with an ice cold beer from Coop Aleworks. You can enjoy it at the Palace on the Prairie, at OU Athletics Events, at the bar, at the tailgate, and in the comfort of your own home. For more information on Schooner All-American Ale, visit schoonerale.com. You must be 21 to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Schooner All-American Ale, the taste of game day. Ted, a lot of people sending us pictures of them drinking the Schooner All-American Ale. Pretty cool. I like it.
1: Nice. All right. Here
0: is Jeremy Poplin. It is our pleasure to be joined by an institution when it comes to Tulsa Sports Radio. He's also the sideline guy for Tulsa football. Jeremy Poplin is in the house. Pop, what's going on, man?
2: What's up, fellas? I uh, greatly appreciate the invite. Good to see you guys. Hope uh, life is treating you well as we enter the uh, madness that is the college football season. Yeah, it's
1: been wild. How's the Kevin Wilson experiment gone so far?
2: So it's um it's one of those that I don't think I, I I was talking with with Gabe before we started recording, Ted. Um until you're around it, I don't think you understand the level of intensity that comes with uh with Kevin Wilson. So and and the difference is that the juxtaposition from the Philip Montgomery era to, to Kevin Wilson is I mean, it's not even close. So it's an adjustment for even people that, like, I'm not there every single day. But it's adjustment for me. I can only imagine what it's been like for the players. But everyone seems to be buying in because that that dude um, has a unique way of of motivation. And I think so far everyone's uh, done their best to kind of take in the uh, the the type of motivation that he provides to everyone. Yeah, uh, rather
0: familiar with the uh, with the methodology of motivation from that man. And I'll say this: he's intense, but I've never seen a coach get more out of his players than him. Now, the way he goes about it, maybe some don't think that's the best way to do it, but the results are the results. Pop, what what's kind of the overall feeling you get of how the players have received? Wilson's way of doing things.
2: So I think the adjustment period was one that was shocking at first. Um, he had a clear way that he wanted to come in and take over the program. And you can hear him even still to this day. And I don't know how many times I've heard him talk about toughness. So I think when he went in and kind of diagnosed what was going on, uh, first things first, there was a level of toughness in this one that he wanted to implement. And that was not uh, – toughness i want to be careful how i phrase this they were tough because some of their best teams over the last five years they've been really good defensively in the american um a level of discipline though that i didn't think that he felt like that the program was meeting the standards that is required for for them to be where he wants them to be so he came in right away and and established all of that um he also really put a lot of the onus on the players So one of the first things he did was he picked out like 10 or 11 dudes and said after he talked to people within the program and and got suggestions about who can be my leaders, who can be these guys that uh, the other players will look up to and respect and named all of them like pod leaders. And then they had players underneath them and kind of encouraged more accountability inside the program rather than it just being – one or two individuals on the team so he he really kind of put in a shared experience and from what i have seen and from everyone i've talked to like the players love that concept made everyone accountable right off the bat and that kind of got the ball rolling even before they got into fall camp so he he had a lot of work to do uh before before practice even started it's tough
1: you you know you got to implement the culture that you want and it sounds like he's he's off to a pretty good start there. Uh, and then it's roster. How how was the the roster turnover, the roster rebuild gone so far for
2: them? They lost a couple of key players for them, uh, two to Oklahoma State that were that were pretty important to what they were doing last year. Ted, um, linebacker, um, defensive lineman. Um, he had to hit the portal in in some places. Of course, that's that's nothing new in today's age. I guess unless you're Dabo. Um, and I thought that he did he did pretty well with that, and uh, was able to go in and take the the Braylon Presley kid from Oklahoma State who was looking for a home, and a few others, and um, you know plugged the areas that were necessary. Uh, they're still thin in a few spots, um, especially with what they want to do. Um, I think at at linebacker, um, they're really young and raw on the back end on the defense. Um, offensively um, they've got a really good running back room but this is a Kevin calls it a developmental program and you're going to see it and I, I don't even know when you can take the level of developmental off for them but like wide receiver wise I feel like that that's where the majority of their efforts going to have to be here in the near future uh, you can just look at some of the recruits that they're bringing in I mean um they've got the highest recruiting ranking that they've had probably in a decade but a lot of those guys are skilled skilled players like at the receiver spot Uh, I think they've got Tulsa this is insane um I think they've got like four three-star kids already that are committed at at wide receiver uh some big kids and most of them kind of fit in that category of like six four like six one and over is is what they're looking for but you can tell here through early recruiting where he feels like that they're not quite there in terms of overall roster build and shape for what he wants to accomplish
0: interesting uh, from experience that guy can recruit i if i i think he's going to get some players into the program all right pop let's talk about this team right and let's let's preview this matchup let's start with the quarterback situation yeah what what's your expectation for who we're going to see on Saturday, right? We've seen three guys up to this point. Who do you think? Yeah. Do we see multiple guys? Is it one guy? What,
2: what do you think is going to happen? Uh, you know, I don't know if anyone knows Gabe. I, I really don't. And and Kevin is not the type to, to BS. He's been pretty upfront and honest with everything that he said. And you're dealing with your, your starter um, in, in Braylon Braxton, who's got an ankle injury. And hasn't necessarily been able to practice that much. And you guys know how big Kevin is on practice and with the way that they use his skill set, it's all about mobility with him anyway. So he just hasn't had a lot of practice time to be able to even test. They, They don't even get on the practice field until Tuesday afternoons anyway, with the way things are going, um, with class schedule. So, uh, when we talked to Kevin yesterday, he didn't, he didn't really know yet, um, And we'll find out what his mobility is like. And then Cardell, you know, ends up spraining his, his, uh, on his throwing hand, his thumb, you know, he took a big hit on his thumb and just couldn't grip it when we got to Washington. And then Roman Fuller, who's your third stringer comes in and has played in both games by design, played in the first game and kind of was forced into playing on, on Saturday at Washington because of, of an injury um and came in and actually did some good things I know the overall score doesn't reflect anything but for a third string kid to come in and show the type of poise in the pocket that he did not looked rattle at all looked to have complete command of the offense um I think he did some some good things so to answer your question I don't know if anyone really knows right now going forward about who who the quarterback's going to be they're all raw like your starter got a few starts last year uh Cardell's a redshirt freshman didn't have any seat time and then Roman Fuller's had maybe a few mop-up duty moments so uh in terms of overall experience there's just not that much there but they do seem to have at least a firm command of what Kevin wants to do
1: in the backfield um I I guess from what I've seen it's been mainly uh Presley and Jackson back there is that what you expect moving forward with those two guys
2: so I they're trying to find out what the path forward for for Presley is. I mean, they're they're lining him up in a variety of different places. You've seen a few moments of of Presley in the backfield. It's mainly been a combination of Ford uh and Bill Jackson. And then the other one that's that's coming on as well is is uh Watkins, Anthony Watkins. He wears 23. Um he's been He's been a guy that um, two years ago was a pleasant surprise for them. Last year had some academic problems and and did not play, has come back this year and has kind of had to start at the bottom and work his way back up. But he's been explosive every time that he's been on the field. But it's mainly been a combination of, of Ford and Bill Jackson, and they like those guys a lot. Uh, Kevin, Kevin talks about them uh, collectively as a group because there's not – um, there's not a lot of what they do. They're they're so different and, and dynamic in their own ways that it really kind of keeps people honest uh, when they come in to see what they want to do in the running game. But Kevin likes them a lot, man. And I would expect it's going to be the majority of those three that you'll see on Saturday.
0: Yeah, I, I, I like Ford. Nice little quickness in between the tackles. Not yeah. the biggest guy in the world can kind of hide a little bit. Uh, yep. I like what I've seen from him leading up to this game. I, I think the big question pop for this team offensively is hey can the o-line hold up in this football game what what have you seen from that group and do you think they can hold up against ou's defensive line
2: you know i think that they've done a, a, an okay job there is much of a de- developmental part as as anything with the program right now um i thought that there were moments against washington where i'm like okay all right. Maybe maybe we got something here. And through the early season of the process, how many times have you heard this line from Kevin Wilson, Gabe, which is I don't think that you can grade an offensive line until the end of the season. Right. To see how many times at the quarterback. See, you're already laughing. We heard that yesterday from him. So um, you can imagine the level of high standard even still being in the head coach's seat that Kevin has in some of the pressure that he puts on Ryan Stanchak, who's the offensive line coach. I feel like that they feel like they're okay. There's nothing I don't feel that's that's uh, over the top, flashy about about any of them. I just think that they're trying to get them in a in a good rhythm right now in a pairing and finding what their best group is together. But so far, no complaints. Uh, you have had a few. Uh, Roman's not as mobile as what Cardell is, or even Braxton. So it kind of changes a bit there. You have had some guys that have been able to kind of get out of the pocket and move around a little bit, and they design the offense that way too. Uh, but yeah, they feel, they feel pretty good now. Washington did not do anything in terms of throwing things at them that you would call exotic. They didn't really blitz a whole lot. So I don't know, you know, uh, they haven't seen anything like Canick and Stutzman, you know, when, when those two go, uh, at all. So that'll be something for them to have to figure out in the early stages of this game. But yeah, Washington didn't do anything that was that was too exotic for them to try to figure out.
1: What do you expect overall game plan wise? Um, is this a pull out, pull out all the stops you have against oklahoma throw the kitchen sink at him or is does he view this as let's be realistic here let's work on the things we need to work on and you know this will be a measuring stick to see where we're at and some of our base concepts running against some better personnel
2: yeah i think he's going to be not not measure, but I think it's basically like, this is, this is who we are. Um, We know the significance of this game in comparison to what we're going to do conference wise. Uh, They came out of Washington relatively healthy outside of the quarterback with his thumb and they think he's going to be okay. So I don't think by any means it's going to be a kitchen sink type type game for them. And, and he was, he was big yesterday on, he is just appreciative of, of the opportunity for a school like Oklahoma to come here and, you know, their schedule is littered over the next 10 years or so with Oklahoma state, Arkansas is actually coming here. And I, I, I get the sense Ted that he's, he's generally happy that Oklahoma comes in and that you get an opportunity to go out and test yourself against some of the best talent in the country. And I think that's a, a level of where he wants this program to be right now to find out how they're going to react in those moments um what how do they look coming out of this game against a level of talent like they had and played against last week so probably I don't want to call it reserved I just think Kevin's going to do what he does and uh, there were a couple of times last week where like all right he he was showing signs of being a little aggressive and as soon as I tell you this guy's this now now he'll you know bust out a fake punt or or something like that and or go for it in a crazy situation but I think he's I think he's realistic about where they're at and where he wants them to be
0: yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see, you know, kind of what his mentality is with all that coming into this one. All right, on the defensive side of the ball, when you look at the defense as a whole, pop, who, wh- what kind of stands out to you? What do you think is this defense's biggest strength up to this point in the season?
2: Up front, it's D line. Uh, you can go on PFF right now, and I think they've got three guys that are rated inside the top thirty-five uh, up front. That is. That's clearly to me when I watch them, where where their strength is at. Now they have a little bit of an issue. Uh, Kapinski, who's the transfer from Oklahoma State, plays their jack uh, their jack position. Uh, in terms of depth behind him, you know that's that's a question, and that's where I was going at earlier. There's there's spots on the roster that are just that are just thin. So they're trying to find a good rotation because that dude can't play that number of snaps. Just going to get completely worn down. He's been good. He was really good in the opening week. Um, they held their own against, Washington's, uh, against Washington. I, I felt like, um, and I don't know if you guys have had a chance to go back and watch any of that Washington game. Early on, Washington thought that they could bully them up front and try to run the football, and they couldn't. And once they found out that they couldn't, because that was a big talking point from Boise State was, oh, my God, these guys didn't even try to run the football. And my point is, I, I think when you've got Penix and those weapons they got on the outside, I, I don't know how much a run game is actually going to be a part of what they're trying to accomplish there. Um, so they tried to establish it, and they couldn't, and they went back right quickly to what they were doing against against uh, Boise State. So that's the strength. Um, and then outside of that, I think everything else, there, there are two safeties uh Kendaren Ray, Knaan Williams, Knaan's a transfer from Oklahoma State. Um 6th year guy for him. Kendaren's been there for years. So they're good up the middle uh, on the back end with the safeties in terms of experience overall. Outside uh defensive backs they're just really young. Really really young. Trying to bring those guys up to speed and linebacker is one of those spots that's a little bit thin as well. So you you'll see Uh, there's, there's things that they do up front that I think have been really impressive for, for year one so far.
1: Uh, you mentioned backer. Um, what are some of the names you expect to see kind of work through there in this game?
2: Uh, Mitchell Calkin will be there for sure. Um, you'll have Colton Smith, who's another one. He's a small school kid that, that transferred in, had one year of eligibility left, um, someone had called Kevin Wilson, Ted, and said, hey, I think you need to take a look at this kid. And that's an area that they were desperately needing help with in the portal anyway. And when Kevin watched him, Kevin was like, I I can't believe no one else has kind of been in on this kid, especially at at schools like the American Conference level. Um, But the adjustment for him has been one that they're trying to work with him uh, to play football at this level. So uh, Julian Simon's another guy that you're going to see that'll be uh, running through there. Uh, And then it's kind of a mismatch. Dorian Hopkins uh, is, is a young man um, that they, they really like CJ Turner, another one, you know, they, they run their nickel. So, you know, Jace Oliver is is a kid that you'll help see or that you'll see help uh, in in a few instances there. Um, It's just trying to figure out what, uh, what the proper amount of snaps is for at spots that are thin. So you'll see probably a wide range of variety of names that get thrown out there.
0: All right, Pop, last one. We'll let you get out of here, man. The environment, right? Yeah. Sellout. Now they're certainly people are wondering, like, how much Crimson's going to be in the stadium. Like, what what kind of atmosphere are you expecting on Saturday?
2: Oh, dude, it'll be a ton of Crimson. And I don't think it, it, that shouldn't surprise anyone. I mean, this is the first sellout Tulsa's had since 2009. By the way, Sean Kingston's playing. So if you guys want to check out a little Sean Kingston concert uh, there on the uh, on the Chapman Commons, they call it before the game nice. uh, in, the, in the concert series that they have. Yeah, they're they're ponying up for some uh, for some big acts to try to increase the environment. Uh, yeah, there'll be a there'll be a ton of, of crimson there. And I uh, honestly, I think, um, you know. Tulsa administrators are fine with that. They kind of, they understand where their lot in life is at when it comes to bringing in a, a brand like Oklahoma. Um, and I, I, I just think it'll be awesome to have a, a full house there um, no matter what, no matter what color that they're wearing. And the thing about the university of Tulsa is, is that when you guys are on the road, like TU administrators kind of count on some of those OU fans that are, that are here. If, you know, if the the game times are a little bit different, they're counting to be able to grab a hold of some of those OU fans, OSU fans to come in and come back and just enjoy the experience. That is, you know, more college football there. They have to rely on that. And they've done a lot. Um, Sorry. I don't think they've done much for the visitors locker room, but they've done a lot in terms of increasing just the fan experience. They poured a ton of money into improvements uh, just the aesthetics of the stadium and the fan experience, like with the concerts and uh, all the different landscaping elements that they've done. I mean, they've, they've done a lot since um, OU fans have been back in the house uh, the last time, which all these years run together. I Can't remember exactly what year it was.
1: Looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, you, man.
2: You excited about
1: the uh, Kevin Wilson quickly. It, are you excited about this, the, his tenure there? Yeah, you? man.
2: I I am. I am. I think it was, I like Philip. I think it was just time for a change. Um, I think everyone has embraced it. I think that they've done a really good job, believe it or not, with a a small school, Ted, with what they're doing NIL-wise to try to help some of these guys and the players are responding to it. Um, I I think everyone needs a little bit more structure in life. I know I sure as hell could use it, and he has provided that for for everyone. And I can't wait to see after we get like two years in – the level of talent with how much that he's just pushed the gas pedal down in terms of recruiting with kids here locally in Oklahoma that we know can play that just never really got that much of a look and Kevin knows that they can play. Uh, And then within, you know, uh, a tank of gas in Texas too. Um, I think it's going to be really good, man. And They're exactly where they need to be in this conference with the type of schools that are in this conference for the school of their size. And there's no reason, in my opinion, that two, three years from now, why they shouldn't be at least included in the mix with the UTSAs of the world every single year for an American Conference championship or in the mix, even trying to go to the championship game. That's that's how I feel that that Kevin could potentially add to this.
0: Yeah. And I think I think he's going to he's going to kind of magnify Tulsa's strengths as a city. It's a cool city,
2: yeah. It's a cool city, yeah. yeah. There's, yeah. So I, there's no doubt. It, just got to get the I, kids there, right? He does, and this city has always been a walk-up city in terms of tickets. It's almost like they have to. You have to prove it to them multiple times for fans to start coming out a little bit more, and those fringe fans that we talked about. And once they start winning on a regular basis and having a level of consistency where they're not riding the roller coaster, I think they're going to be fine because they can take almost what SMU has done in conference to kind of brand themselves Dallas's team. And that sounds cheesy, but it's worked for them. Like, like Sonny did that. And, and Rhett has continued that. And it's, it's really helped build some momentum. And I think you can take bits and pieces of what SMU has done and kind of apply it here at Tulsa.
0: Interesting, man. We appreciate you. Um, we'll see you on Saturday, dude.
2: Yeah, yeah dude, I'm fired up to see you guys, man. Uh, always enjoy uh, seeing you guys in and, uh, the environment should be a lot of fun, man.
0: Should be. All right.
2: Appreciate you, dude. Yeah. Thanks, guys. I
0: I like hearing the excitement from Pop about the Kevin Wilson era. He's an intense dude, man. He is. Intense. I but
1: like it. You I know, hope
0: it works. I really do. I hope it works.
1: I, you know, it's good to hear he's recruiting well. And, you know, I think you you heard Coach Venables mention his press conference, and I'm sure Kevin Wilson is focused on it, too. I mean, there's there's some good uh, local talent that they can capitalize on, and um, hopefully they do that, and we'll see where they can get the program going.
2: Yeah. I'm
1: excited yeah. about Sean Kingston uh, before, yeah. the before the game. Sean <laughs>
0: Kingston. Oh, it's going to be great. going to be fantastic. We're going to have to check that out.
1: Yeah, Yeah. All right, let's get to our college football week three previews. But first... John Vance Auto Group has been serving Oklahomans for 40 years. They're family-owned and operated, and they have nine full-service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way, which is why they have their lifetime loyalty program, and here's how it works. Buy a new or used car from them. Then all you have to do is get all of the manufacturer-recommended maintenance done at the Vance dealership. And if something goes wrong with the components of your engine, transmission, drive, axle, or transfer unit, they will cover the repair costs. It's a great deal. You can browse their entire inventory or find the John Vance dealership near you at VanceAutogroup.com.
0: And attention, business owners. You need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. If your business wants to be best in class, Connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I N S U R I C A dot
1: And don't forget to head to the garage for hand smash patties, butter toasted buns, and ice cold beer. The food is fantastic, and they've got great TV, so it's a perfect spot to watch any big game. I will actually be doing my radio show from the garage in Tulsa on Friday afternoon. Whoa! So to any fans headed to T Town the afternoon or evening uh, before the game, stop in and say hi. You Don't forget, you can visit eatatthegarage.com to find the location near you and to order online from the garage in your neighborhood. All
0: right, week three. Week three in college football. Thin slate, Ted. It's a bit thin.
1: It is, which always means we're going to get an unbelievable round of games, right?
0: Chaos. Chaos is coming. We just don't know where it's coming from. Let's start in Columbia, Missouri. Number 15, Kansas State, goes to Mizzou. This will be 11 a.m. on SEC Network. Kansas State currently a five-point favorite, a suspiciously small line. Now, remember, Kansas State smacked Mizzou last year in Manhattan. Just beat the absolute hell out of them. But it's certainly different going on the road. Kansas State is coming off a really nice win, though, against Troy, where they beat the hell out of Troy in the second half. And Missouri barely got by Middle Tennessee State. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what the odds makers are thinking here, but it does feel like a lot's on the line for Eli Drinkwitz in this game. Losing to SEC teams is one thing. If Kansas State comes into your house and beats the hell out of you like they did last year, his hot seat, uh, I mean, becomes – scorching
1: yeah and this is this is a big game this is a battleground recruiting game yeah right? these you know,
0: these schools are not far
1: apart right this is that that kansas city area i mean they're they're all trying to pluck the best talent out of there and um i i don't know maybe i'm missing something that line is like hey, kitty 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 i don't know what's going on but it looks way too easy. Oh, Kansas State's going to kill Missouri. There's there's something there. I don't know what it is, but I it, if if I'm just thinking about it straight up, I, I I feel like Kansas State and Will Howard the way he's played early should be able to handle this one, you know, pretty convincingly, but I don't know. I don't know what's going on there.
0: Yeah. So this is if you're looking at like how how can this line be this K-State's offensive line, which there was a ton of talk about them coming into the season, right? It's been in it's been in flux a bit, right? The right tackle Duffy, he's been banged up. They've had to move some guys around, some guys they've plugged in, haven't played particularly well. Like Cooper Beebe's having to go all over the place. And I think that has resulted in them not running the ball very efficiently with Giddens and Ward. And when you look at Missouri, like the strength of their, maybe the strength of their entire football team is that Mm D-line. Darius Robinson on the edge there, like he's a good player. He's an NFL player. So Missouri's been very solid along the defensive front for a little bit. And that K-State O-line's a little banged up and hasn't played up to the expectation. But Will Howard has been fantastic. He'd been really good through two games. And when you look at this matchup, sometimes it, you just look at head coach and quarterback, right? And I don't think there's any doubt that Kansas State's got the better head coach in Chris Kleiman, and they got the better quarterback in Will Howard. Brady Cook just – he doesn't do it for me. Now, Luther Great. Burden, that guy's a stud. That whiteout for him, yeah. Stud. He's going to have to just have – he's going to have to have a special day. In my opinion, for Missouri to be in this one, but there's something to be said about the desperation. Like the head coach needs a win. You're at home. It's going to be sold out. Place is going to be rocking. But I don't know, man. Like, I just, I think Kansas State's a much better football team than Missouri.
1: I do too. I do too. I, uh, the line has got me a little skittish. The offensive line has got me a little skittish, but I still, I mean, if a team can – Kansas State usually travels really well right? with, with just kind of the overall philosophy of their team. Uh, typically travel really well. You know, it is an early kick. I think that is in K-State's favor. Anytime you're going on the road, you prefer that early kick before the, the crowd really gets, uh, gets too crazy. But I don't know. Um, if I'm picking it, I would pick K-State handily.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Now,
1: what's the timeline on getting healthy on the O line? Do you know with the right tackle?
0: They're they're hoping to get him back this week, but we'll see. No, right? You know, and the whole thing was, hey, all the all five of these guys are coming back, like we're all good, and him going down has resulted in a lot of moving parts. So, but Will Howard's been really good. They've been really good. They're pushing it down the field more, like I thought they would. Mm -hmm. So we'll see if that ends up being be at a big part of the game. Oh, did you see, did you see Eli Drinkwitz? Did no. you see his presser? No, he was talking about, he was talking about Chris climbing and, and then he started talking about the offensive coordinator, right? Who's Colin Klein, who anyone that's been in college football for a while, like knows who Colin Klein is He almost won the Heisman trophy. Yeah. Right. He was like, yeah, their offensive coordinator. I think I think that he calls him CK. He does he does a good job. It was like, oh. Does he really not know who he is? I that's how it made it seem, dude. Which you want to talk about oh, the number one way to piss off K-State people, tell tell them you don't know who Colin Klein is. That's
1: I mean, the guy can't help himself. He's the worst press conference head coach I've ever seen. Oh, it's brutal, dude. Brutal. You don't need any
0: of that. Like now Colin Klein is looking at it going, okay, you're gonna know my name after this game. That's for damn sure. Right. We're gonna score 60. Wow.
1: <laughs> God.
0: So I saw that and I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna go ahead and lay the points with the Wildcats. A little wow. disrespect to Colin Klein. Okay.
1: That's a strategy.
0: Yeah. All right, next game. Number 11, Tennessee, traveling to the swamp. Tennessee currently a six-point favorite. This game, 6 p.m. on ESPN. The spread certainly caught my attention, Ted. Yeah. I mean, do you think is, is it as simple as, you know, we really haven't seen Tennessee play anyone good, right? People may not be sold on Joe Milton. And let's just be real. The swamp is not an easy place to play and this is a massive rivalry. So it, you think that's what the low number is all about? Because Florida certainly has not impressed up to this point. Like it, we all watch the Utah game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think anytime you get a game like this, uh, there's so much uncertainty and it's, it, it, I think there's, you get, if you keep it tight, you get a lot of action, you know, one way or the other, I like Tennessee personally. I still haven't seen anything from Florida that makes me think that they're. I mean, they've got they've got some individual players here and there, but I just I don't think they're any good. Now I don't. I guess I I still don't know how good Tennessee is, but I I feel like they're in a much better spot than Florida is. But you never know. I mean, this this would be a game that could potentially save the early part of Florida season and you know that they'll be amped up. They'll be keyed up and they've got to pull out all the stops for this one. I mean, it's been a, it's been tough. It's a tough early schedule for Florida, but I mean, if you drop this game and especially if you drop it convincingly, then it's going to be some angry people down there. I'm sure.
0: Yeah. Now this was a close game in Knoxville last year, right? 38, 33 win for the Vols in that one. And we we know how good that Tennessee team was a year ago. This is, I, I think when you look at this game, which, which team can help their quarterback more, right? Which team can get the run game going? We saw Florida really struggle to run it against Utah with Johnson and ETN, right? Going up against that Vols defense. Can, can they get the run game going and help Graham Mertz out? Same thing for Tennessee. You and I know Hyple are going to want. He, he's going to want to pound the rock,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? And and put Joe Milton in manageable situations, right? Lean on that run game with Jalen Wright and Jabari Small. Right? And th- those are two. I mean, there's some good running backs in this game, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, I see this going for one of like one of two ways for Joe Milton. He's either going to absolutely light it up and take the soul out of Florida fans everywhere, right? And we're all going to be talking about how gifted he is and how dangerous Tennessee can be moving forward, or he's going to be the reason they lose the game. I think it's one of those, It, it, it on the spectrum, it's going to be at one of the extremes. I don't think we're going to come come on the podcast on Sunday and go, you know what? Joe Milton really managed the game well. I just don't foresee that. I think it's going to be one or the other. He was awful or he was fantastic.
1: I I think that's I think that's a good way to put it. And it's probably a for him mentally and for hype and and how they're going to call the offense and what their identity is going to be. It's probably kind of a keystone game for all of that as well, right? It, you know, if you can go on the road against a team like Florida and make good smart decisions, make some big plays have the confidence to let it fly whenever you have the opportunities, then, you know, that's going to build a lot of confidence in your offensive coordinator with, with how they're going to, you know, call stuff for you moving forward. You can't, you spit the bit, you tighten up, you can't dial in and, and, and hit the big plays. That's going to affect the way they call it moving forward as well. So I'm with you. Like this is, it's either going to be the Tennessee's not any good because they don't have hooker. Or it's gonna be Milton on Heisman watch type of type of game. I'm with exactly.
0: you. Exactly. That's that's what I see. Now on the Florida side of things, like it if I was betting on the game, I'd lay the points with Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Because with what I've seen up to this point, Florida just looks disorganized. I don't trust them to do the little things that it takes to beat a good football team right now. I just don't. I don't I don't trust them to limit penalties. I I don't trust them to be, you know, play at a high level on special teams, like and win the hidden yardage battle. I don't trust merch to take care of the football. I just I don't trust it. Like it just feels disorganized. And I feel like hype's hype's got that stuff buttoned up at Tennessee. So we'll see. I'm excited to watch this game, but I I don't really see it going well for Florida, but hey, you never know.
1: Elite uniform matchup, best of the weekend.
0: Florida's jerseys are awesome.
1: Tennessee's whites look good, too.
0: Oh, yeah. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be an aesthetically pleasing. Also, Florida, tremendously green grass. Right?
1: Yeah. Fast track.
0: Fast track. You
1: know what's interesting? We were talking about it. I... I think almost every team in the SEC is grass.
0: Really? Yeah. That's interesting.
1: What do you think that's... LSU, Alabama, Florida, Tennessee, um, Auburn, Georgia, All all grass. I think there's a couple of them mixed in there. I don't know what Kentucky has and everything, but I like that.
0: I'm a fan as well. All right. Any other games this weekend that interest you, right? Normally we try to pick three. There are some teams that OU is about to play in in action, right? Cincinnati. Hey, Cincinnati. Take care of business against Miami, Ohio. So that that game's got a lot of hype, please. You guys have been fantastic up to this point. Please take care of business. Thank you. Uh,
1: I'm, I'm curious to see BYU in Arkansas. I, you know, I, um, I don't I haven't seen much from BYU. Um I know Arkansas's got their quarterback uh he's back healthy, ready to roll. Um I mean I'm I'm still trying to figure out like where exactly everyone like the new teams in the Big 12 are. Um you know, Cincinnati, we got a good idea with them. You know, BYU I think is I think that game's got some interest there. for West, the West Virginia game's got some interest. But it's it's kind of a slow week. There's going to be – we don't know where the hidden gems are going to be.
0: Yeah, I want – I'm hoping for our guy, Neil Brown. He needs that game, man. I know. He needs it. They got to win the backyard brawl. They got to beat Pitt. He needs that game desperately, right, especially with it being in Morgantown. Got to win that one.
1: Tough opening uh, uh, part of the season for them, man. Yeah.
0: Really and I I am – you look at some of these betting lines, like Oklahoma state is a seven point favorite at home against South Alabama. That's one where you look at it and go, really? And South Alabama is not a bad football team, right? They got some talent, but I, I guess what the odds makers, they weren't impressed with the poke with what the pokes did in Tempe. And they're, they're not a, uh, they don't have faith in the three headed monster at QB for the Cowboys.
1: I guess not. I mean, it's kind of hard to, you know, that game against Arizona state, you know, at at times they looked like very, very pedestrian. And then other times, like in the second half, they look really good. So what are you going to get from them? Who knows? Yeah,
0: It's a confusing football team. I'm with you on BYU at Arkansas. I think it'll kind of just tell us where Kalani Satake's program is at Mm -hmm. right now. Now, Arkansas is not some juggernaut of an SEC team right now, they're not. So maybe that one's interesting. And then there is the hilarious option: Wyoming, Texas, in Austin. I, you, and I, we we showered them with praise, and they deserved it, right? They absolutely deserved it with what they did last week down in Tuscaloosa. But it'd be kind of hilarious if Wyoming
1: gave Texas a game. Right. Yeah, I I don't I this is this is part of the thing with Sarkeesian, you know, in there's been moments before where Texas has flashed for one or two games. But traditionally, at least over the last decade, they have not handled success well at all. So curious to see how they show up. I mean, this one I feel like I feel like Texas is is going to be okay in this one. That Kansas game, though, is going to be a different animal. That's yeah. going to be fun.
0: Yeah. Jayhawks look good I against think, Illinois.
1: I think they're going to be undefeated.
0: They had like six sacks and nine TFLs against Illinois.
1: Yeah. I think so they've got they've got like someone random this week, and then uh who's their first Big 12 game? Because I think they're going to win. Is it maybe it's BYU? Is it BYU? Kansas
0: is on the road. At Nevada. Nevada? Nevada? How do you say that? Nevada? I say Nevada. I think I say Nevada, too. They've got – they're on the road at Nevada this week, and then BYU comes to town next weekend.
1: I think they're going to be undefeated before they play Texas.
0: I agree. And I hope they wear those Not black 25. uniforms against Texas. Those things Ooh. are sweet. Yeah. I was shocked that their defensive line did what they did against Illinois. Impressive stuff. Watch out for the
1: Jayhawks. Yeah. And you know what you're going to get on offense, quarterback, running back. I mean, they're going to make some plays.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first, do you have difficulty sitting for long periods of time or can't lay on your side due to pain? Well, it's a hip thing. And the only person to go see is Dr. Brandon Johnson at the hip clinic in Oklahoma city. No matter your age, the hip clinic has the experience and knowledge to help ease your hip pain and preserve your hip joint. Don't let the pain hold you back any longer. Don't just accept a hip replacement. Call the hip clinic today at
1: 844-KEEP-HIP or visit thehipclinicokc.com. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA athletics, and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org financial aid is available
0: as always ted kicks off who do you have as your winner of the week
1: i've got a special edition an aaron Rodgers edition so i'm doing loser first okay uh, loser I, the nfl the jets the fans the packers aaron Rodgers himself Zach wilson even uh Dalvin Cook, who came in, fantasy owners, or everyone. Everyone loses from this injury. I hate it for everyone. It's totally brutal. I knew it as soon as I saw it that he tore his Achilles like that. Just, it was so frustrating to watch. That, that stadium was so amped up. The entrance, the 9-11, the flags coming out three plays, man. Can you remember anything like that with that spotlight, a moment like that, the anticipation and three plays in it's done.
0: The no, like that quickly, that magnitude, that's Aaron Rodgers. He's one of the best quarterbacks ever, right? That jets defense. Like it's clear. They, I I don't know if they would have gone to the super bowl. But that defense is legit, and they had a guy. Man, we talked about it. they had a guy at quarterback, finally, and it's gone like that. Their season's over, and they're, they'll they'll win some games because of that defense. Okay, yeah. But every guy in that locker room, to his core, knows that the season's over. Zach Wilson's not going to take him to anything. Like, I mean, let's be real. And for they them had, to they
1: had four, was it four turnovers, three interceptions for sure. Yeah. And, and then the fumble and barely, barely won the football game
0: on a punt return in overtime, which by the way, what is Surratt doing? You uh, cannot cut on punt return. What is he doing? I don't know.
1: I think, uh, did he stumble or. And no, the, the he else, laid yeah. out
0: like it. It I couldn't believe they didn't call it now. I'm glad they didn't call it because what an electric moment for Xavier oh. Gibson. And it was awesome to watch on television. And an awesome call by Joe Buck, by the way. Yeah. But that defense did all that and they could barely get by. Right. With Zach Wilson, that interception, the disgust in Troy Aikman's voice. Just, oh, do you see any of the Manning cast stuff? Peyton Manning talking about Zach Wilson?
1: No, I just saw the highlight of them reacting to Aaron Rodgers. They basically... Troy Aikman, I don't... I mean, I guess I understand what he was saying whenever they were playing for the field goal and being conservative. like That's who they have to be in that moment to win the game. They have to rely on their defense. That's just... You you cannot allow Zach Wilson to lose the game for you. Like that's they're trying to avoid that situation,
0: but it changes. You know, looking at the injury and what it means for the Jets, it changes the way that every single guy on that team, every single coach on that team. It changes the way they feel when they walk into the building every day.
1: Hundred percent,
0: and that is a lot to deal with.
1: From Going from no matter what happens, we have a chance. No matter what, our quarterback is going to give us a chance every single week to, oh, my God. And, you know, I had Zach Wilson. I listed him because I think having Aaron Rodgers there was going to be, like, to have this year to watch and learn and absorb, I thought that was going to be maybe the best thing for his career. Now I think it's still going to be good. I'm sure Aaron Rodgers is still going to be around the, the the facility and stuff rehabbing and in the film room with him. So that's going to help, but it's not going to be the same. And I, I think he would have came out of this season as a much better quarterback, but now he's going to be thrust right back in there. And he's probably, there hasn't been enough time to forget like your, your problem habits and what you need to relearn. Like, he's probably, like, the mindset's probably going to go right back to what's always worked for me, you know?
0: So, yeah. I I don't think it's going to go well for him. No. I don't think he's any good. Now, you mentioned the Packers are a loser, right? They needed Rogers to play 70% of snaps to get that first-round pick from the trade. Clearly, that's not happening. You missed a couple, though. I got a couple to add to the list. Did you see those people at that bar in Milwaukee? Yeah,
1: yeah. Free yeah. drinks,
0: free drinks at the Jets lose. They were racking up the tab, man. Oh, the look on some of those guys' faces as they're looking at their tabs in the back of that news shot is amazing.
1: Now, I I haven't seen this, and I didn't get clarification. Now, this was a season long thing. Now. It was tied to the Jets. Does Aaron Rodgers have to play?
0: I I would assume that's part of it. Is that is there Aaron Rodgers has to
1: play? Okay,
0: I I would assume, and I think everyone would understand. Like, hey, that I don't think anyone's going to come at the bar for that. Like, hey, you said uh, that's come on, guys.
1: Right? Yeah. Well, for a for a one night, I they had to have been sweating it, but it turned out great for them. Turned out great.
2: Yeah. yeah. The bar that, the those, bar
0: the, the p- bar was definitely a winner. Now, last loser. Did you see Mahomes's tweet? Punctuation's <laughs> important, children. Come on, kids. Learn learn important. punctuation. If if you didn't see it, when Aaron Rodgers went down, Patrick Mahomes tweeted, Hate that man, praying for the best. He then aid edited it to hate that comma man. Praying for the best, and ended up adding. Knew I was going to need that edit button on here one of these days, dude. It, that was a hilarious sequence of events.
1: Yeah, that's tough. And I don't know, and maybe something strange, but I still haven't seen anything or heard from Aaron Rodgers at all. And I'm sure he's taking some time to wrap his head around this thing. You know, I. That's a tough injury. It's a long recovery. It's a hard surgery. I mean it and it's a it's you know, you get to a certain age and that becomes a, a real a real problem for for athletes is the the Achilles tendon. And I know he doesn't want to go out like that, but I mean, that's a big commitment. It felt like this was going to be his last year, right? No matter what. It's just kind of the feeling it had. And I don't know, it's a big commitment for him to do the whole thing over again, but I guess we'll see. Yeah.
0: And he was the guy that has been pretty open about talking about retirement before this season. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see, but you're right.
1: I just everyone. Loses. So
0: everyone loses in this yeah. thing.
1: I was, I, I mean, I was, I, I watched all of the hard knocks. I haven't watched all the hard knocks in forever, I was right. excited. I'm a big Aaron Rodgers fan. I, you know, I love the way he plays. I was I was never been a Jets fan, but I was going to be one this year. And I think a lot of people were. So nobody wins.
0: Yeah. All right. Well then you well, started with your loser. Who do you have as your winner of the I week? guess there
1: is one possible winner out of this. And you saw Bakhtiari, you know, the tweet coming at the NFL over the um the turf and grass issue now the NFLPA has been kind of battling with the with NFL over you know the turf situation the NFLPA had you know a bunch of studies that showed that there's a a, a really large increase in injuries and they can tie some of the the injuries that have gone up in in recent years to uh to the turf uh and naturally the NFL produces their own Uh, study that shows there's absolutely no correlation. Probably the same person that did their old concussion study. But, um, you know, I believe that my injury came from turf from playing on turf. Uh, And it's not just it's not just playing games on turf. It's also practicing on turf every single day. I think it's really, really hard on the body, hard on the, the legs. You know, I had a Liz Frank injury in my foot and that was in 2005. And at that time, it was super rare and it was just starting to become a thing. And now it's like, it's a common injury. And I, to me, it has, you have to go back to turf for that. So my hope is that there's going to be enough pressure to where, I mean, think about it. If you're, if you're Woody Johnson, owner of the jets, I know the turf makes it way easier, right? It's cheaper in the long run. It probably makes you know, the stadium much more, you know, usable for the, for the city and, and all of that stuff. But think about that investment that you made in Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's maintenance on your turf field for a long time or your grass field rather for a long time. So I, I think it's something that the NFL and the owners need to uh, really look at. And you saw the, all of the stuff that, you know they have contracts to switch out the grass or the turf for grass to play soccer events and they're they'll switch out the turf, put grass in, play soccer and then return it to turf to play football i i think it's dumb i think i hope the nfl takes a much harder look at it
0: uh i'm with you i don't really see any reason why all 32 fields in the nfl aren't grass now I I know that you know like Minnesota for example right it's an indoor stadium but we we've seen plenty of teams wheel out grass right grow it outside wheel it in for the game
1: Did right? you see the stadium is it I don't know what soccer stadium is where it drops down below the stadium and they grow it under the lights it's incredible
0: Yeah just do that everywhere it's the NFL you're bringing in just an unbelievable amount of money, right? And this is the thing: the NFL has done so many things to try to keep their star players healthy, right? You think all about the quarterback changed the
1: rules? Entire pl- uh, rule book for it.
0: Yeah, you, what they've done, right? Brady got his knee blown out. Blown out. What they've done since then to try to keep star quarterbacks on the field. What they've done with the with the rules with wide receivers going over the middle. Everyone knows how marketable big time wide receivers
1: are. Like what they've done with changing those rules. You're paying quarterbacks $50 million a year now. Wide receivers close to $30 million a year now. I mean take the money that you find defensive players for touching quarterbacks and install grass fields everywhere. Yeah. Right? I'm, hoping the they, fields
0: I'm hoping they I'm hoping they get there because I I'll say that. You know, you and I both played in Detroit, right? We both played in Buffalo. I played in New Orleans, right? You think those are all your game field is turf. Where did we practice? Turf. We always
1: went out and practiced on grass. Oh, you did well. New Orleans. Yeah.
0: It was like, there was the only reason you were practicing on turf was like, there's a thunderstorm outside and there's lightning and we can't go on grass. Yeah. Like guys yeah. would push and push and push like, Hey, no, no, no. We don't want to go in the indoor. It's cold. We don't care. We want to practice on grass.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause
0: like you said, like the, the, the mileage that comes from practicing on turf every single day, like all the places I played where you played your games on a turf field, all the guys in the locker room wanted to practice on grass as much as we could. Didn't care if it was super hot, cold, rainy, no, no, no. Let's, let's go on the grass. I always yeah. thought it was very interesting.
1: I agree. It's weird. I don't know. I, I mean, I think it has to be more about stadium usage outside of football than it does anything else. Right. I mean,
0: yeah. Like concerts and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, other sports.
1: like, I'm, But again, you're paying your quarterbacks $50 million a year.
0: It's the NFL. Get some grass
1: if it if it saves you if it saves you a star a year from having some type of you know catastrophic injury it pays for itself for if it's just one player it pays for itself for years
0: yeah no i'm with you all right let's get to my winner and loser of the week but first
1: Elevate your tailgate with Chapel Supply and Equipment in Oklahoma City. Chapel Supply and Equipment has generators and inverters on hand that will give you all the power you need so you can take your tailgate to the next level. They've also got top-of-the-line heaters to keep you warm during those cold tailgates later in the season. They're Oklahoma-owned and operated. Elevate your tailgate by calling 405-495-1722 or visit chapelsupply.com. That's C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L-Supply.com.
0: And First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more, they do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. Come on, people, make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information.
1: And head to OpolisClothing.com for our podca- pod- podcast merchandise and the best OU gear out there. That's O-P-O-L-I-S-Clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off. That's OpolisClothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery Soft and 10% off.
0: All right, for my winner of the week, thought about going with the Kansas city chiefs got a deal done with Chris Jones right now, unfortunately for him, no, Really, no, it's not really an extension, right? There are no more years added to the deal. It's just, Hey, you've got some incentives you can hit this season to increase the value of the deal, but chiefs get their best player on defense back on the field, right? They're about to go on the road against the Jags getting your best player on defense back on the field, that is a good thing. So, yeah, we'll see if he ends up hitting all those incentives and what that can take him to, right? He's supposed to make nearly $20 million this year. But, hey, I i, I don't think there's any panic for the Chiefs, but you don't want to start 0-2, and a good way to not start 0-2 is to have your best defensive player on the field, Ted.
1: That's right. Yeah, he's, he's a stud. He changes – he changes the line of scrimmage for them big time. So that's that's something that they, if they want to make a run, you have to have him. I mean, that's just how it goes.
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you. But my winner of the week, NBA fans, OKC okay, Thunder fans, let's go. Two things. Number one, according to Shams, NBA Board of Governors going to vote this week on a policy that will prevent teams from resting two star players in the same game. Stars are defined as guys that have been either an all-star or all-NBA in the last 3 seasons. And I guess the the NBA also said teams they must have their star players if healthy available for national TV games and that teams if they're going to try to rest guys, right? They need to balance resting their star players equally for home and road games so they and they would actually prefer to have them rest during home games. So, first of all, take that load management, but it does seem like this will make more star players play more often, which is good for NBA fans. I'm all for it.
1: It's good. Uh, Think about how ridiculous it is that we're at this point, though, right? You've got to legislate that you can't sit out stars. It's so dumb. And I I wonder, I mean, if you've got a jammed pinky and you're on the – on the injury list, like, are they going to start having phantom injuries if they want to rest guys?
0: There, there's no doubt. There's going to be some tomfoolery going on,
1: but <laughs> it's it, good though. This at least they're trying, them. right? Yes, hundred percent.
0: Yep. So at least they're trying, and you know, for Thunder fans, if the if the NBA is going to try to emphasize you know, star players for other teams resting during their home games instead of their road games. Well, then maybe you see more of the star players, right, for other teams playing against the Thunder, yeah. which these last couple of years we've seen a lot of star players for the opponent sit out. Now the Thunder are about to be good, so it's going to be different, Yeah, but, but that's a good thing. And then the big thing, Ted, Oklahoma City Mayor David Holt announced that a plan has been finalized. To build a new arena in downtown Oklahoma City that should be ready for the 2029-2030 NBA season. Notes that it will keep the Thunder in Oklahoma City beyond 2050. The vote will be conducted for OKC voters on December 12th. And I'm so excited. This is huge news. Let's go.
1: Yeah, that's big time. Um, I, You know, it's I know there's people frustrated about it, but I mean, you have to think about all of the things that the Thunder have done for the downtown Oklahoma, just Oklahoma City in general. The entire area uh, really ignited the renaissance of downtown OKC. And I know people are can be frustrated. Why do we new, need a new arena? You have to have it. I mean, the longer you push it, you know, the worse it's going to be, the, the more expensive it's going to be. You can do it now and get yourself aligned with the bigger arenas out there because they're already like there's some things about it and I don't know exactly what they are. I just know that you like there's a round of like concerts and things that Oklahoma City doesn't qualify for because of the whatever the layout of their arena is. So they can fix that. They'll be able to bring more more entertainment in. And you just you just flat out have to have it. There's there's no way around it. I mean, you, it's just it's just kind of the unfortunate way that things have have moved in the NBA.
0: Yeah, I sports, am. Frankly. Yeah, I'm expecting it to pass in an overwhelming fashion. I'm fired up. I I think it's going to be awesome for Oklahoma City. The economic impact is going to be so significant, and we we have this team because another city didn't pony up and do it. We can never forget that. Right. Right. And with some of these cities around the country that don't have NBA teams that desperately want them, it's important. We keep doing what we got to do to keep this team. Because I do think I've, and I've had this conversation with a lot of people. It's like, I don't think there would be anything more detrimental to Oklahoma city and its future than losing that team.
1: Oh and yeah. And just
0: how it would how it lo- would look and what the 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 negative impact it would have on the community. I think it would be I don't want to use the word catastrophic, but it would be it'd be awful.
1: So let's yeah. not do that. Let's vote yes. Let's go. It's kind of a big deal to have you know however many thousands of people downtown for you know 50 plus nights a, a year. I mean that's a big deal, man. That's a big deal. Economically, the amount of money that that brings into the city is massive. And I, you know, I don't know if this is part of it, but I, you can't, you can't even be in the conversation for an NHL team right now with the current arena. No. So I I know people have thrown that out there and I don't know if that's something that they're thinking about, but I mean, with the new arena, you can at least build it to where you could address that in the future. If it, if it came up,
0: there are a lot, a lot of things that become possible with this new arena. Bottom line, mm-hmm. so we'll see. But I'm excited, and I'm Thank expecting, God. I'm expecting an omer overwhelming yes vote on do that. You know entire where
1: it's, it's going to be? Are they going to play in the Coxes or something while they're building it? I can't no,
0: wait. they're gonna. I, I, I do not know. Right, and it hasn't been announced. My guess is they'll knock the Cox Convention Center down, right? And then play in Paycom until it's ready to go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, right.
0: that that's the only thing that makes sense to me.
1: Yeah. And I know they're about to start the well, I don't know if they're about to start it, but I think they've decided that soccer stadium's going downtown too.
0: Yeah. So we'll see.
1: A lot, A lot. happening in downtown Oklahoma City. Awesome.
0: Oh. All right, for my loser of the weekend. Not the weekend, the week, loser of the week. Thought about going with Michigan State. That that whole situation is getting it's getting complicated. Right. Mel Tucker fired back with a hell of a rebuttal to his suspension. I mean, he essentially said, hey, this stuff was mutual between consenting adults. And you know, said there were a lot more phone calls than that one and then essentially said, hey, Michigan State is just doing this to get out of his contract. He just put it out there like that. And then we find out that Michigan State's leadership has had the results of the initial investigation of this whole thing since late July. You talked about no winners in the situation for Aaron Rodgers. It doesn't seem like there's any winners in this situation either. This is, oh, this is ugly.
1: Yeah, that has the classic. Well, let's see how we look this season before we talk about the it's, uh,
0: with with what happened with Larry Nasser. There, it's such a bad look for Michigan State, man.
1: So it's
0: uh, it's they look terrible. Now, Mel Tucker, are,
1: are, he, no matter what the result is, they look terrible. Yeah, like if they're trying to railroad their coach, they look terrible. If they knew the results and they're, you know, they were. At least appear to be covering it up. They look terrible. They've backed themselves into a a no win situation.
0: Now, even though and Mel, Mel Tucker said, "Hey, it is, it was, you know, consensual, all that stuff." Like, what he did is still very dumb, right? And still yeah. can cost him his job. But I, this whole thing, this scene, it it seems like the winner. I guess the winners are going to be the lawyers,
1: right? A lot of billable hours ahead in this thing. No kidding. And I, you know. I think he's he, they're not there's no way they keep him.
0: No, no All chance. Right. He's coached his last game at Michigan State. There's no coming back from this.
1: He's gone. It's just whether or not they have to pay him.
0: Yeah. Which
1: know, I, hefty amount.
0: A uh, a legal battle is looming. There's no doubt about Woo. that. All right, but my loser of the week, the NFL kickoff return. Some numbers are in that now it has been it's been dying And it feels closer to being completely dead than ever. Reminder, the league made a new rule this season, right? An experimental rule. Touchbacks now give you the ball to 25. And if you try to kick it short on purpose, if you're the kickoff team, a kick returner can fair catch a kickoff between the goal line and the 25, and the return team gets the ball to 25. Basically saying, they basically said, hey, you probably shouldn't try to return this And if you're the kicking team, like, don't try any funny business. We're just, the ball's going to the 25, guys. You know? Good. So what happened in week one in the NFL? The return rate was the lowest in an NFL week since 2000. 20.5% of kickoffs were returned. Ted, we are all, we're all well aware of the discussion when it comes to collisions on kickoffs and head injuries and all that stuff. You were a special team ace, man. This has to bring this has to bring you some pain to see basically the kickoff and kickoff return. It's it's essentially it's not completely out of the game, but it is it is being phased out in a big way.
1: Yeah. Well, a- again, I played in the wrong era. I played whenever you had to run down and run into the wall of backup offensive and defensive linemen, right? As fast as you can try and find a gap and try and get not get knocked out um I they eliminate it you can't do that anymore you just can't um I it, it's like how, how can you justify the fact that you're you are um you're about player safety we just had the conversation about the grass versus turf deal right like that's a that's a way better way to eliminate injury than than the kickoff situation. I think they they need like this is stupid. they need to get rid of this. You do not want touchbacks. You, the the change of possession in football has to be a meaningful play. If you're just if it's a formality, and you're kicking it for a formality and it's going to be touchback and you're going to go to commercial again it's just it's worthless nobody wants that it needs to be it needs to be a, a something that is very important anytime there's a change of possession and i like what the xfl does with their kickoff i mean it's safe it's easy it's exciting it's essentially just like a really Big zone play is what it is, um, and you know you you it's it's good to create some opportunity there. I think they should do that. Um, I I think college should change their punt rules. Uh, you know, there's they're trying to get rid of it. They shouldn't be trying to get rid of it. Like if you're about like points and excitement and scoring, special teams create some of the most exciting plays. Look at the play that ended the the Monday night football game. Why? Why would you ever want to regulate something like that out of a game? That's stupid to me. I don't. I just don't understand it.
0: I, I like the XFL kickoff. I just don't know with the way that it looks like the NFL will ever do it. Because it looks weird, you know. Looks weird. It's fun. It creates more excitement, but it looks a little weird. And I don't know. You know how meticulous the NFL is about the optics of its product. They may just go, no, no, no. looks too weird. We're just going to ha- keep having these kickers, kick it from the 35 and boot it through the end zone. Like, cause it looks cool. It photographs well, everyone's lined up. There's people all over the field. It looks cool. <laughs> you know,
1: there's like a whole, like, uh, and you know, the kickoff and, but I, it's so stupid. It's just a, it's just an opportunity for another timeout. Yeah. I that's what I hate about it. Because yeah. if if they return it and you come out, like if it's a if it's a touchback, no one cares about the timeout. It's just like there was no action, nothing happened, we go to a timeout, there's no real loss in flow. But if guys start returning it every time and then you have to go to a commercial that changes the commercial flow and it it like It eliminates the flow of the game. I mean, that's why they've done it, right? I mean, because they want the commercial opportunity.
0: Commercial opportunities, but they've done it under the guise of player safety, right?
1: Yeah. Let's get one thing clear. The NFL does not give a shit about player safety at all. Never have. Yeah.
0: On that note, (laughs) episode 353 in the books, We'll have a new podcast that will drop on Sunday. Obviously, we will be recapping the OU and Tulsa matchup. Just a reminder, you hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on the ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, channel 375. Hope you all have a fantastic rest of your week. Have an awesome weekend. Enjoy the games on Saturday. And until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.